You're listening to the Bearded Theologians podcast, hosted by Zach Bechtold and Matt Franks. If you'd like to learn more about the Bearded Theologians, you can go online at beardedtheologians.com, where we have past podcasts, blogs, and a couple items for sale. So check us out, beardedtheologians.com. Thank you for listening, and enjoy this week's show. You're listening to the Bearded Theologians podcast, hosted by Matt Franks and Zach Bechtold. And today we have a uh, we have a very special guest with us. We're continuing on in our Lord's Prayer uh, series. We have Reverend Scott Spencer from Mosaic United Methodist Church uh, in Oklahoma City. He's uh, the lead pastor there. Scott, thanks for joining us this morning. You bet. Glad to be here. Thanks for thanks for inviting me. Yeah, anytime. Um, would you give our listeners a little bit, you know, let them know a little bit about you, who you are, what you do, and, you know, all that fun stuff, maybe a fun fact. <laughs> sure. Well, I'm, I'm a native Oklahoman, and um, I have served churches in a lot of different places in Oklahoma, and been an associate pastor and a senior pastor, I call myself a lead pastor now, so I'll sound, you know, like I'm cool and hip and in, up with the times and not getting older. Um I've also been a campus minister. I was I did that for eight years at sort of a regional school here in Oklahoma. Um, my current church is a um, it's a merger, and I was I became the pastor when the merger became official. And I guess I'm starting my eighth year now. I think so. I'm I'm sort of in my eighth year, I guess. So we are also a reconciling congregation, and one of our churches that was part of the merger was the first reconciling church in Oklahoma. So I sort of have that. That history with uh, with this current church. So that's fantastic. I love that. Um, well, we are digging into the Lord's Prayer over uh, the next few weeks, and and we want just, we wanted to get your we wanted to pick your brain about it, right? Get your thoughts on it, what it means to you, and um, you know all of that stuff. Okay, sure. Uh, you know, one of the first things is I kind of struggle with the, with the terminology of the Lord's Prayer. I mean, um, I like to call it the prayer of Jesus, um, primarily because I think we, um, in some ways, uh, at my church at least, are trying to get away from some of the more patriarchal language, even though it's biblical, right? It's biblical. Um, although there's not really a title, I don't think, in the Bible for the prayer, right? It, there's no title. Those titles, of course, are added by people later and they change and I mean they're we make up titles even today right if we want to publish the bible we can we can make up those titles there's nothing sacred about those about those um labels we have in the bible so that's interesting so we you know we do default to the lord's prayer right that's I mean we all know that right we know what prayer you're talking about I didn't even have to ask which prayer you know is it the prayer that Jesus taught the disciples or is it the prayer that Jesus prayed in John right um you know is that the lord's prayer so um, but, you know, some people don't relate to the idea of, why, why do you mean you don't want to call it the Lord's Prayer? But I tend to kind of call it the Prayer of Jesus. Um, I don't know. That's just who I am at this point in my life. <laughs> yeah. I think that's really fair. I mean, especially taking into, the, into consideration the contextual history of why, why the Bible is the way it is and laid out the way it is and has its headings and titles and chapters and verses, right? Makes a lot of sense. Sure. You know, and another title might be the disciples prayer. I've heard people call it that because this is the prayer that Jesus was teaching the disciples. Of course, when they asked, you know, how do we pray? Um, they did ask that, right? 
<laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, okay, great. I don't want to make statements about the Bible that aren't true. Um, <laughs> but it's interesting what you just said, because I, I have found, you know, in almost 30 years of ministry, and even before that, being, being, a, being a church nerd, right? I, 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 um, I don't know if you can relate to this. I think Matt can, but um, kind of, Matt, didn't you grow up in the church, right? Or no, you came in the no, church later. Yeah, I came in All right, you didn't, you didn't, yeah. okay. So some of us who maybe were, you know, third grade or, you know, seventh grade youth group, you know, I remember being the kid that wanted to know the Bible and no one else cared about the Bible. But, you know, today I realize when you teach the Bible, like people don't know um, that we don't have like an original copy of the Bible, right? And and um, I talked about this just recently. We're not even, we're not even really for sure about the original copy of you know our constitution, right? I mean, what we have enshrined at the National Archives, um, there's other copies that have some differences. And so there's kind of this, I don't know the technical term for that, but there's like a collective sense in which this is what we consider to be the constitution, but we don't have one page or one copy of it where we say, this is the original one that was actually voted on. This this is the one we know was voted on, and we 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 lost that. We we really lost that. And um, in those early years, in fact, th those things weren't on display, and and it wasn't even necessarily like like, like the Declaration of Independence is the same way. I think where um, maybe that's what I'm thinking of, but they didn't think about we must keep this because this is going to be viewed forever right and this is going to be in a, in a in the archives it wasn't until much later that somebody said oh this is in a file you know at the state department or something maybe we should maybe we should get this into a different kind of uh, setting so i think the bible is the same way like mm -hmm. we just don't have a sense that there's not some like when we go to buy a bible we think we're buying you know what is the bible and um, but are you talking about a Catholic Bible or a Protestant Bible? Are you talking about an Orthodox Bible? And, you know, so um, we just, and so then you come down to like the verses, like the verses themselves aren't quote unquote from God, right? We, those were added. They weren't necessarily a part of, they weren't a part of the original writing and um, they were added later. And so are the verses themselves then sacred, right? That, that's an, a question we can ask ourselves are those sacred? Um, and that gets really, that can get really murky really fast when you start. Sometimes it doesn't matter, but then sometimes on um, really important things, then you realize, oh, this really matters, you know? Yeah. And I always find, I always find like, I always tell people when like looking at the headings, like just don't, just don't even read them. Like, cause they're, they're going to throw you off and they're actually well, even setting you up for what is ahead it's kind of like a sermon title like if you have a sermon title and you don't talk about anything that you talked about your sermon title is you know there are people that get mad about that sure and, oh and absolutely <laughs> uh, i i'm a little bit of a rebel so i don't even do sermon titles wow, and that frustrates some people <laughs> yes, who are more old school that that's just been a part of our culture in the united methodist church right but um i kind of went rogue in seminary and went to an Episcopal church. They don't do titles. And I just thought, you know, people spend a lot of time thinking up the title. And by the time you get to the sermon on Sunday morning, you have changed maybe your, your <laughs> emphasis. And um, so what's it matter? You know, we don't even have a bulletin anymore with an order of worship. And, um, and that's just been a post COVID thing. Like our, 
our bulletin is nothing but the announcements, which is really, mm-hmm. that's really Baptist. I mean, that's what Baptists do. Uh, but we don't even have an order of worship anymore, and no one has said a word about it. No one's complained. But um, you know, like the prodigal son, Matt, take the prodigal son. When you read that title, then that someone's telling you, and it's not right. you, here's what we think this story's about. Here's mm-hmm. the main character, the prodigal son. But is that necessarily the main character? And and that's really, you know, that's a form of Bible study, but it's also any form of literary study, right? Um, so I like to call that, you know, the, st- the story of a dad with two sons, right? Because that that's really what it's about. It's about a dad and two sons. And then um, you're not, you're not um, trying to tell the reader ahead of time, here's what, here's what the point of the story is. Nothing wrong with calling it the prodigal son, but 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 that but then it becomes known as only that, right? It's just like um, let me think here for a second. I'm drawing a blank on the disciple on the disciples. <laughs> no, it's um, uh, Thomas, right? Thomas, um, doubting Thomas. Mm-hmm. We that he gets labeled with that, but in other places in the Gospels where we have Thomas. Doubting is not the word you would use to describe him. There are other words, other adjectives we would use to describe him, but he's been pegged with that, just like kids get pegged with, um, they get bullied in school, right, at a young age, and that's what they're known for, and so it's it's really too bad that's what we do. Um, Doubting Thomas just puts him in one small category, and he's much more than that. Well, that's mm-hmm. what I found interesting. So I looked it up real fast because I didn't have it on, you know, I'm, I don't have the memory to memorize all that stuff because I was not taught that I had to memorize the Bible. Um, <laughs> but the translation I typically use is the common English and uh, the Gospel Luke uh, version of the, uh, of the prayer. Uh, the, the heading is teaching the disciples to pray. There you go. Uh, and there then go. the Matthew text, which is usually kind of the traditional text should typically used uh is showy prayer that's literally the he- the title showy prayer in the seat or what, sorry it, uh proper prayer is the uh is the is the title uh headline for the the lord's prayer uh in the ceb so it doesn't even get you in like if you didn't know your bible like if you know like a majority of americans are um you would know that you're about to read the lord's prayer and so it's kind of a cool right. uh those crafty CEB people trying to trying to teach you your Bible. Uh, uh, I, I found that interesting. And I tell you, talk about being heretical. Um, I have not really found the Bible yet, like one Bible that I that I like. I mean, it's like I want to take parts of all the different. Like I just literally bought the the newest updated NRSV. You know, they have a new update now, mm-hmm. and it's. I just figured out also it's it's the UE is updated edition. I couldn't figure out why it was NRSV. UE, I was trying to pronounce that and I was like, oh, it means updated edition. But there's just, you, you know, you look at certain verses as pastors because you know what's supposed to be there. And that's kind of how you judge the, you know, this new book. And um, it's just like, it wasn't quite exactly the way I thought it might be. And then I also bought, because, um, you know, we can't have too many Bibles as pastors. <laughs> um, I finally broke down and bought the newest NIV. You know, I, I had an NIV in college. Sure. I knew from just my knowledge of the news that the NIV people had come up with a with a new version a few years ago. It was a little bit more um, 
sensitive to inclusive language. And so I know that the conservatives kind of threw a fit about that. But I never have ever bought that version, um, although I, of course, can look it up online, right? And um, so I actually ended up buying that new version as well. And it's just like, I want to take the best from different translations and then mesh it together and make my own Bible. Because um, sometimes in my church, we're using the, the I think it's called, uh, I think it's called the Inclusive Language Bible. I can't remember exactly, but, but it's a few years old. And um, sometimes it's just worded in, in ways that are so different um, that it's hard to go with that alone. You know, you kind of got to pull in some of the traditional wording as you as you explain it in your sermon. And I thought the NRSV might be um, a good replacement for that, but I don't necessarily think it is. So um, we use different versions almost every week, seems, it seems like in my church, depending on who's the preacher and just what the mood is, so. Yeah, well, and I think that's, I mean, you know, we a lot of us got into the message uh, for the last yeah. few years for the same reason, because it says it just differently enough. Um, but, you know, it goes back to your original point of how all this is structured, where we get the information from, that there's not really a distinctive original, right? In, right. in what, uh, back in the 80s? When were the Dead Sea Scrolls found? I don't know. Like in the 40s. All that. Well, yeah, okay. 40s. So way longer than the 80s. That changed everything, <laughs> right? Because that filled in a lot of the gaps that, that we Absolutely. had. Because exactly like you said these letters were stored and they weren't ever meant to be kept. Uh, they were to travel around and do the things that they were going to do uh, for their communities. And then, you know, somebody along the line tossed them in a, tossed them in a thing and buried them. And, and here we are having, having that right. and filling in. I, I love going back and looking at old um, at the letters that they have uh, from Paul and uh, you know, those epistles and what, what little bit, of chunks they have of the gospels and then how they meshed all of that together and you pull something up and there's just a big chunk missing out of the middle of the physical letter right do you guess what do you do right <laughs> but it's it's taking all of those pieces that we have found over the years and, and piecing them back together and i think that's what we do for sermons right Absolutely. Um, whether it's through scripture or life experience or tradition reason right well, let's get real <laughs> real wesley in here uh <laughs> we piece all those things together and craft our faith and, and craft our sermons and, and craft how we do this. Right. Well, and that's where I feel like it, especially if you're um, like preaching on a particular verse that, you know, is one of those, what I call wheelhouse verses that everybody um, that kind of knows that's where bringing in those other translations and pointing it out to people. Cause some people do only have one Bible and only look at their one Bible and absolutely a lot of times it's only King James, depending on where you're at. <laughs> and so it's really nice to break it down and, and, and help, help people see that, you know, there, there's definitely some other ways of thinking about this. Um, and I can't remember which translation it is, but they have a, it, I think it's, I think it's the message, how the message translates uh, John one uh, talking about how God came and pitched his tent among us. And it just like, Oh my gosh, that, that brought like that totally changed my thinking on some of the stuff on some of the language in John. Um, right. and, and, and I think that that's where, you know, 
you know, Scott's right. You can never have too many different translations of a Bible. Oh, yeah. Although I will say after having moved three boxes of, of <laughs> yes, you can. Big, um, big fan of Bible Gateway. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. Whoever uh, thought of Bible Gateway, praise God. Yes. Uh, <laughs> um, so I, I think that that's a good place to, to do, to utilize that and to show your congregation that that's allowed. Like, I think far too often we think that, uh, at least my experience in Methodism has been, there's only one Bible and it's the NRSV. Right. Um, I mean, that's what I was reared in when I first started going to church was the NRSV. Um, and I had an NIV and I was like, well, what's mm -hmm. the difference? And, you know, now many years later, I totally understand the difference and, uh, and the differences. And, um, I think it's yeah. beautiful that we have that. And of course, you know, the NRSV is written about uh, on a 12th grade level. So that's, um, I mean, we have seen it certainly in the mainline church as sort of being maybe the standard translation, but it's also a 12th grade level. And even for me, sometimes I'm like, it just reads so awkwardly in some places. And, um, mm -hmm. and that's the struggle between wanting it to be truthful to the original languages, but also to be um, understandable to people who are living, you know, 2,000, 3,000 years later. And so mm -hmm. that's why I do like, yeah, certainly to bring in other, I mean, other translations. I, I'm doing this after-school tutoring now, um, and I just had the first session, so we just did get to know you games. But uh, these kids, it, it, this is from the public schools, but they um, they have like, it's not really called chapel time, it's called community time. But that's what I'm there for is kind of like to give the, them a break from, doing the, the reading that they're doing for, with their mentors, but um, I can do games or songs or, you know, and I was, but I'm supposed to kind of like a little Bible lesson and, and um, they all have Bibles. And so they didn't bring them though this first week, but I said, Hey, don't y'all have Bibles? And they're like, yeah, we left them. We left them at our desk, you know? So I'm really curious to know like what um, version that they have. And I'm assuming it's probably NIV, but but there's also, these are like second, third, and fourth graders who are struggling to read. So, you know, we give them these Bibles that are way above their um, grade level. And I like that there's the NIV Reader's Edition, which really brings it. Um, and I've used that sometimes. Um, oh, like... Palm Sunday or Good Friday, we do sometimes readers theater, and I'll just I'll just go to Bible Gateway right and print that out. I'm sure I'm breaking copyright, but um, <laughs> but because you know, because then you can really read it, and it's not um, it's just more readable, and that's that's a good thing. But but the hard thing about the Bible is we if we get stuck on one translation, yeah, that that limits us. That really does limit us. So. Well, and, and we see that with the Lord's Prayer uh, or the Prayer of Jesus or however yeah. we frame it in, um, gosh, every tradition seems to have just a little bit of a difference, right? Different words or different endings or sure. different places to put it in the worship surface or times to use it. And sometimes we get stuck in that ritual or um, just kind of buried in the tradition of it. And I love the idea of taking taking the different versions and understandings and framing it around that here's how they're here's how they're different here's how we can use these here's here's different understandings of the same thing that bring meaning and vibrance to it correct two things I, this is just a little story but um people were expressing this is about the queen's funeral um, this past week 
and I guess you know they used they didn't really use the most up to date language that the Church of England might be using in worship, and some people said you know well this is what the Queen requested so it was you know um, a form of English that that you know no one's speaking anymore, mm. um, but some I read a little comment where somebody said yeah what is this about trespassing and I thought is that about the Lord's Prayer because. Most of us, I mean, a vast majority of us in, in the USA, at least, if we are going to a mainline church that says the Lord's Prayer every Sunday, we have probably said trespassing every week. And mm -hmm. um, uh, unless you're Presbyterian, then you're saying that's right. Um, but it was interesting that they picked up on trespassing as saying that's out of date. So I really thought to myself, wow, if they're hearing all these these and thous and and all these other words that are really not in use today, um, but they're focusing on trespassing, which is what most of us have, are, are saying, <laughs> you know, right. that was just interesting to me. But at Mosaic, um, from day one, you know, I grew up in the United Methodist Church, and we just, we said the Lord's Prayer every Sunday. And that's just, that's one of those things also that's tradition. Like, there's mm -hmm. nowhere that says, you must say this prayer every Sunday. You're not going to find that written down anywhere. But it obviously, it's tradition. And um, um, I began the first week by using a different version. And I don't just mean a different version from the Bible, but different mm -hmm. versions that people have even written. So there's one from New Zealand um, that we've used. And there's, I, can't, I don't have that list in front of me right now, but I did pull up. There's one that infleshed.com has which I really like. And um, interestingly enough, only one person really kind of said, oh, I miss, you know, I miss saying the Lord's Prayer every, every Sunday. Um, no one really said to me, though, hey, I really like doing a different version every Sunday. Um, but when we came back from COVID, or when we started with COVID, with online worship, I just dropped the Lord's Prayer. Like, we just dropped it. And, and when we came back in person, I still dropped it. Like we, um, we just, we haven't picked it back up yet, you know? Um, and, and no one's really ever said a word about that. Now this fall, we're doing a series on women of the Bible. And I did pick up this infleshed version and that's what we're doing every Sunday. So it's interesting because we used to do a different one every Sunday and now we're doing this one. But I think about this because I can rattle it off because I've grown up saying it my whole life. And I'll think, what about the kids in my church mm. that maybe they're not going to be able to just rattle it off because we're not providing that for them every Sunday. Mm -hmm. And But I think there's this tension between knowing it verse from memory, you know, having it be part of our heart language versus that and having it um, really have meaning because we hear it with different phrases and different words and mm -hmm. um, even the concepts are the same, but it's sometimes the words are so different that you you have to ask yourself, oh yeah, I'm praying the Lord's Prayer, but this is not at all the way Jesus said it. So I struggle with that tension. Even in my church, I struggle with the hymns we sing because we, we've ditched a lot of the old traditional hymns and, um, and or even like the Apostles' Creed. You know, I grew up saying that every other Sunday and um, mm -hmm. We rarely use that. We use that at baptisms, but that's about the only time we we ever use the creed. And so, because uh, other than that, we don't really have a creed in worship, although we have communion every Sunday. So um, 
but yeah, I, I really like this enfleshed version. Um, and like, there's this one phrase, um, which I guess would be um, your kingdom, let's say, Lord be, uh, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, right? On earth as it is in heaven. So, you know, their version is, may your holy vision for collective flourishing come to fruition among us. Mm. And that's beautiful. But when you hear that, you may not immediately think, oh, yeah, thy kingdom come, right? Thy will be done. Right. But that's what that's saying. So that's why I like to bring in different versions. Yeah. I love that. Uh, can you can you send that to us so we can attach it to, to our show notes? Sure, absolutely. Awesome. Why yep. are you giving me more work? Because I like to. <laughs> Gosh. He said so we can um, attach that to our notes. It's a royal we. Yeah, it's a royal we. It's a more of a royal royal franks. That's usually how it works. Um, you know, Scott, um, I know you've got a lot on your plate. Um, <laughs> uh, and uh um, we want to thank you for your time and, uh, you bet. uh you're always welcome to come back uh, anytime. And, uh, you know, thank you for a really good conversation today on the, the Lord's prayer, uh, for our listeners, uh, you can uh, connect with us on the bearded theologians.com and, uh, through social media and other things, uh, you know, share your, you know, share your feelings and thoughts of how you feel, uh, about the Lord's prayer. Um, as we move through this, um, you know, our hope is to have somebody different for the next few weeks, uh, to share that experience, to provide a, a nice wealth of, of, uh, things to have for people that may be preaching on this, uh, sometime in any kind of future. Um, and so with that in mind, uh, for the bearded theologians, I'm Matt Franks. I'm Zach Bechtold. Thanks for checking us out. I want you to subscribe and like this video and put that thumbs, push that thumbs up. Thank you for listening to the Bearded Theologians podcast. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share on all social media outlets. You can check out old episodes and more information at beardedtheologians.com. Thanks for checking us out.